So Eliza, um, when we were kind of planning these uh, series of podcasts, um, you told me that you were really obsessed with the feet at the moment, and you wanted to do a podcast about feet. Yes. Is that right? So all of you with a foot fetish, now is your time. Um, yeah, we, we're not actually showing any images of feet, unfortunately, on the podcast, but um, I, was, I was a little bit taken aback by this, um, because... The foot is something we quite often forget about, um, and I haven't thought about feet for a long time, mm. I have to say. Um, and so I'm thinking about feet all the time now. And so, why? Yeah, I've, been, <laughs> <laughs> so I've been teaching these workshops called Greet Your Feet. So I think the title says a lot, which is saying, look at your feet and say hello to them. Because mm. as you just pointed out, you haven't thought about your feet in a long time. Mm. And I'm just started to notice such a pattern in my own practice, so in my own body first, and then also in so many students and fellow practitioners, that you can diagnose or observe so many of the other problems that happen in the body based on how the feet are, mm. and based on also the inner and outer ankle. Mm -hmm. um, there's a very common mistake that happens that I always make a joke about, um, and that's when I tell people in Upavishta Konasana, which simply means wide angle forward bend or wide angle seated position. So all that means is you sit on the floor and spread your legs apart. Mm -hmm. And I always say to everyone, have your middle toe face the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And everyone always has their second toe facing the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And then I correct and say, your second toe is not your middle toe. Hmm. And everyone's like, oh, you're right. But then many people express that they can't even feel their toes. Hmm. Many people can feel like their spatial awareness, their big toe. But beyond that, the other four toes, if they close their eyes, they can't actually have an awareness of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and why is that problematic? That is so first, if we want to spread consciousness, the consciousness needs to go all the way to our feet. And especially if we're having problems like back pain, then building ourselves in a healthy posture from the base up is going to be absolutely essential in healing our back pain. Hmm. So one, just to give an example of that, one small and also kind of funny thing that helps a lot of people with back pain is wearing toe spreaders. Now, a toe spreader is like, ladies, if you go and get like a manicure and a pedicure, or gentlemen, or <laughs> why not, <laughs> then um, they put these foam spacers between your toes, and then they paint your nails. Mm -hmm. So in yoga, there's no painting of the nails, but there's just the wearing of the toe spreaders in order to first allow the toes to spread out, mm -hmm. because are we mostly wearing shoes? Those of us that live in a city, even if you live in the country, when you leave your house, chances are you have shoes on. Mm -hmm. Chances are your toes become scrunched because of the shoes that you're wearing. Mm -hmm. And you probably don't think about it that much. Mm -hmm. But these toe spreaders allow natural space to come in your feet mm -hmm. um, that was probably there when you were a child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
there's a lot of people that um, are into running barefoot, mm, which is correlation. a kind yeah. of a, a, um, a modern development in mm-hmm. trail running and stuff. Yeah. Um, and if you talk to these people, they are absolutely fervently religious about <laughs> this. <laughs> and they <laughs> wear these shoes also that spread that their spread toes, toes. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm guessing that they see a similar kinds of benefits that you're talking about yeah. in their running practice. Yeah. Um, and so the, the benefits are that, if I'm rightly interpreting what you're saying, the action of the foot sets up how the, the muscles of the whole leg are sitting and working. Yes. And then that sets up how your hips are sitting the and working. And then sets up how your back is working and how your muscles are in your back. Yes. I can give a very simple example of this. So if you're listening to the podcast and you want to do this, feel free. Just stand up in your natural position. And then once you're in your habitual standing position, take the gaze of your eyes and look down at your feet. So for many people, the heels are very close to each other and then the toes are turning out. So you're almost making a V-shape with the feet. This directly links to shortening of the lower back. Mm-hmm. And this tightness between the lower back, the buttocks, and the thighs. Mm. So just this simple adjustment of not turning your heels in towards each other and instead taking your heels as wide as your toes mm. can be something that protects your back for the rest of your life. Yeah. Because how often do we stand? Very often. You know? <laughs> we stand and we walk, you know, in line at the at the shop to buy something, when we're out with friends, you know, we're standing constantly. Yeah. And if we stand with awareness of how our feet are aligned, mm-hmm. we're really taking care of a future version of ourselves. Yeah. I think it's also interesting, I often see people with back or hip pain on one side, that foot will be turned out yeah. more than the other. So it's something to notice as well. Mm-hmm. If, if one of your foot is turned out more than the other, um, just have a think, you probably have got some tightness somewhere up that side of your body. Um, yes. And another thing is look at your shoes. So if you lay your shoes out, then you can see if you walk on the outer edge of your foot, you know, the shoe will be more worn away there. Mm -hmm. Or you can look at the inner side of the shoe and see, oh, my feet roll in, my arch is flat, my -hmm. inner ankle drops, which will cause knee problems very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you'll be able to sort of inform yourself about other things that are going on in your body based on your feet. Mm. And I think to go back a little bit, in time, shoes used to be so important for people. They would go to a shoemaker, their feet would be measured, they would get a pair of shoes customly made mm. to suit their exact like shape of their foot. Mm. And I think many people are often wearing shoes that are not supportive. Mm. Um, we can have a discussion about high heels later if, <laughs> mm-hmm. if we want to go there. Or trainers. Yeah. Sneakers. Whatever you call them. Yeah. <laughs> same, same, but different. What's it called in Germany? Um, track shoes. Track shoes. I hear a lot. Nice. Yeah, because yeah. I, I feel that they're really quite bad for the feet. I don't know mm. what your impression is mm. of them as well. I think it depends again on like if they have proper arch support, uh, if you can actually... I think what's important is that you are 
able to let your foot spread as wide as it needs to spread mm -hmm. and that you're able to transition from the heel through the ball mount of the foot properly and yes. evenly. Yes. Yeah? Yeah, definitely. Um, the arch support is an interesting thing though because so the, the structure of the foot, um, I just, I'll, I'll briefly describe it for those that don't know the anatomy. Um, so you've got your ankle joint and your ankle joint um, is where the knobbly bits are that stick out the side of your ankles. Mm -hmm. um, and that is the joint between the uh, fibula and the tibula, which are the two bones in the, your shin, essentially, at the bottom part of your leg. And they join with a, a kind of accumulation of larger bones in the foot. Um, and the largest of those bones is called the calcaneus, and that's your heel bone. So that's the one that you, you can feel if you kind of jump down onto your heel. Um, kind of that noise is that heel bone hitting the floor. Um, so that's sticking down the bottom. And then above that is this um, kind of pile of little bones that create this arch-like structure. Mm. And it's incredibly stable, that part mm. of the foot the part just under your ankle joint because it has to take all of the weight of your body coming down through it and it does it remarkably well. It's like um, a shock absorber for the body. Yeah. Just as we have shock absorbers on bicycles and cars, mm -hmm. so these are our natural shock absorbers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the engineering of the structure of that arch, so we know in building that arches are really stable structures mm -hmm. and that they can take a lot of impact. Um, and so the foot is, is, is created like an arch. Um, so there's that, that main arch of bones that sits there under the ankle joint. And then you have um, another layer of bones um, in another little arch that sits kind of um, interlocked with that first arch. And then from that second arch, you're getting to the point of the middle of the foot where you're, you, those who have arches in their foot will, ha will kind of um, have the narrowest part of their foot. At that point, mm -hmm. you have the, all the five toes kind of separate and from the middle of your foot onwards, the five toes are all separate entities. Um, so there's three sets of long bones that go from the middle of your foot all the way down to the tips of your toes. Um, so there's five of those three sets, so there's 15 bones in total. Um, and uh, if you cut away all of the um, flesh and muscle and tendons and everything and you just had the bones it looks like um, almost like a pair of hands that they're, they're as long as fingers they're kind of that that same dimension actually longer they take mm -hmm. up a huge yes. part of the so for just uh, skeleton mm -hmm. and then if we also refer to the latin term fingers and toes are called phalanges mm -hmm. so they're referred to by the same name yeah but many people don't think of using their toes in the same way that they think of using their fingers no, you think of the whole foot being one entity, and then your toes are just these little funny wiggly things in the end. <laughs> yeah, which... imagine if you picked up a pen with your toes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which isn't the underlying structure at all. The underlying structure is very much like a hand where they've just like filled in the middle bit. Yeah, um, you these little flash. webs. <laughs> but um, talking about the arch, mm. Mm, these, all these arches are supported by tendons and muscles that allow the structure to remain strong and intact, this really strong, incredibly strong structure. And I always thought that if you give too much arch support in a pair of shoes, mm. then you're over time reducing the muscular strength of the way your body would naturally support that arch. And so the muscles become weak, and because the muscles give a lot of support to that skeletal structure, then your arches start to, start to fail because you're not having you know, that muscular tension around around the arch. But 
do you feel do you do you, do you have a different idea? Well, about this is. I'm really glad you bring this up because I have flat feet, mm-hmm. and like both of my parents have flat feet, my sisters have flat feet, so it's this hereditary thing as well. The yeah. feet that you inherit in mm-hmm. one way, and. Um, I'm not, I can't speak for shoemakers or anything like this mm-hmm. or necessarily from an orthopedic perspective. Mm-hmm. But what I can sh- say is that one, get to know your feet without shoes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is very, very, very important because then you can observe things like, do you actually have an arch? Mm-hmm. Do you have an arch that's too high, which mm-hmm. will cause a whole other set of issues to appear in the body. Mm-hmm. So for me personally, as someone with relatively flat feet mm-hmm. who has, and I'm overly proud, I admit this, I have like a teeny tiny arch, <laughs> you know, that took me years to construct. Mm-hmm. Um, and how you went about doing that? Through yoga. Okay. Yeah. So through strengthening the muscles of your foot. Yes. So naturally in doing many yoga postures, if you do them correctly, you will make an arch in your foot. Hmm. Um, for example, if you do Prasarita Padottanasana standing, so your legs are wide apart mm-hmm. uh, in a V shape, mm-hmm. and then you just simply bend forward. Mm-hmm. To maintain this, you have to very strongly lift the inner arches of your feet, mm-hmm. and you have to lift your inner knee, and then you have to lift your inner thigh, mm-hmm. and then you push your whole inner leg out against your outer leg. Mm-hmm. So this naturally begins to strengthen things like the entire line of the inner leg, which will make an arch of the foot. Mm. In case anyone listening also has flat feet, you can do all your standing poses primarily with your toes up the wall. Mm. So if you just put your toes up the wall and then drag the ball mound of your foot down until it touches the floor, you'll have an arch in your foot. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I did standing poses with my feet at the wall for years. Mm. So then to answer your question about arch support in the shoes, I Birkenstocks mm-hmm. with the toe spreader for the main between the big toe and the second toe mm-hmm. has a, an arch support that I like mm-hmm. and that I feel does help me when I'm doing a lot of walking. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't buy extra arch support mm-hmm. because I know that I will simply collapse onto that arch support yeah. without reinforcing making my own arch in my foot. Yeah. So I make the arch through my yoga practice and then wear a, whatever arch the shoes come with. I don't get extra arch support. Yeah. And I feel it's sometimes the same with um, track shoes or sneakers, sports shoes that um, are very robust and they have a lot of, like basically mm-hmm. they hug the whole of the inside of your foot and support it. And that's good for shock absorption. Mm-hmm. Um, in the If you go for a long run, your let your feet after that long run are less likely to feel sore, but over a long but period your knees of time, just hurt instead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not building the strength of those feet at all. Yeah, you're just allowing the shoe to do all that for you. Yeah. Um. So I, I think this is partly why the trail runners that like do it with with no shoes think that it's a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, I understand yeah. this. Yeah. Um. And then okay, so in general, arch-supported shoes is should be taken with a with a bit of moderation. Yes, I would say definitely a middle path. Mm, <laughs> fine. Um, and I think that something that Chloe is pointing out is that when you know the anatomy of how something works, like your foot, like your toes, 
then you have the chance for your consciousness to expand because you can apply what you're learning onto the actual anatomy that exists within your feet, even though you can't see it. Mm. Um, another fun thing you can try while listening to this is you can stand up and just, you know, take your socks off, take your shoes off so your feet are bare, and then just lift your toes off the floor. Hmm. And then see how that changes the action of your ankles, the action of your knees, the, the action of your thighs, and see how it changes the weight bearing. Hmm. So generally, most people aren't bearing the weight between the front of the body and the back of the body evenly. And the moment that the legs become properly activated, then weight distribution happens more appropriately. Mm -hmm. um, there are so many sub-diagrams that can be drawn on the bottom of the foot. But the most basic one that you can apply is if you, again, I'm assuming you have your socks off, you see your bare feet. Um, if you look at the bottom of your foot... Hmm. You want to bear 50% of your body weight on the center of your heel. Hmm. So not on the outer edge, not on the inner edge. You know, this is other things like pronation. Hmm. Uh, so 50% of the weight on the center of the heel, hmm. the other 25% of the weight on the big toe ball mount, hmm. and then the other 25% of the weight distributed between each of the toes. And I think that looking at this triangle on the bottom of the foot is a really good way to self-assess how you're standing mm. and then maybe begin to look at how you're walking. So it's interesting, you started out when we started talking uh, kind of 20 minutes or so ago mm. by saying that looking at the foot helps you to diagnose or pinpoint where a problem might be um, or to see so you can look at someone's feet and you can tell a lot about the rest of their body from that um which i found interesting because we do the same thing in medicine as doctors if you mm -hmm. get examined by a doctor they'll always look at your feet um and i think we're looking at slightly different things mm -hmm. we're looking at predominantly things like um the healthiness of your tissues in your foot because mm -hmm. because the feet are the thing that's furthest away from the heart if you're beginning to get problems in the uh, blood vessels so say your blood vessels are beginning to get clogged up then you'll see that first in your feet so you so for us feet are very useful diagnostically as well but mm -hmm. to look at the internal organs and to see how they're functioning there's an interesting parallel yeah. um, considering feet is something that we try not to think about too much yeah and why is that <laughs> I don't, I don't have the answer to this, but it's really, it's really, I think this could be an interesting dialogue to have, which I would also be open to feedback from people for why it's this sort of... Why people find feet disgusting. Yeah, like why is this foreign part of us? Mm -hmm. um, and then again, I think, you know, going around barefoot often or being, you know, in order to work in a yoga class, like I take my shoes and socks off. Mm -hmm. So I'm in a rare environment mm -hmm. where, you know, socks are not even permitted yeah. because you'll lose your footing. Yeah. Um, I find people are very ashamed about their feet often when I, really? when, when I examine them, the, you know, no one will apologize for like I don't know their bellies or their um, oh, eyes or whatever but people will always apologize for their feet they'll always say oh I'm sorry doctor they're disgusting or I'm sorry they're 
they're in a state, even when they, wow. you know, relatively yeah. are okay feet. Yeah. <laughs> People are always very ashamed about it. I, I don't quite know what the psychological um, issue is. Maybe it's the mm. fact that because we live so much in our heads, mm. our feet are the furthest away from our heads mm. and therefore they're the most basest part of us, the, mm. the part that is in contact with the ground and the floor and reminds us that we're animals that need the support of the earth mm. to live on and people like perhaps not to think about themselves this is going into to kind of deep pseudo psychology <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this it's an interesting, interesting question because i naturally so at the end of this like two or so hour workshop called greet your feet mm. that i ask everyone to just put their hands on their feet first when i teach the anatomy in the beginning i ask them to touch the structures i'm describing Mm -hmm. So to actually feel the bones themselves. Mm. Then at the end of the class, sorry, spoiler alert, if you come at a later point, <laughs> I ask people to just put their hands on their feet and thank them. Mm. And just thank their feet for holding them upright, mm. for carrying them where they need to go, you know, for keeping them mobile. Mm. And to express gratitude to their feet to start to heal this relationship. Mm. Um, or even if it's, you know, you don't want to think of it as a relationship to your feet, just think of it as, again, spreading your consciousness and awareness uh, mm. into your whole being. Mm. Um, That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very tender moment at the end. I think another thing perhaps is that I think a lot of people suffer from cold feet or mm -hmm. poor circulation in the feet. Yes. Or varicose veins in the legs. Yes. Or bunions on the feet. So there are these... Fungal infections. Yes. So there is this sort of... Verrucas. What? Verrucas. What is this? Do you not know verrucas? No. <laughs> Did you go swimming when you were a child? Yes. So... I could actually swim before I could walk. Did you ever see a kid wearing a, a, like a rubber sock in the swimming pool? Like flippers or water shoes. <laughs> no, Veruca sock. I swear this is... A, you were brought up in the US, is Yeah. That? I swear they must have Verucas in the US. It can't just be a British thing. <laughs> like a wetsuit? Verucas are a, they're a viral infection of the foot, um, like a wart. It's the same virus that causes a wart um, that you might have like on your fingers or your face. But because it's on the bottom of your foot, it grows inwards as opposed to growing outwards. And so it becomes very painful and you get this kind of ingrowing wart and that's a veruca. I can't believe you've never heard of veruca. <laughs> I had so many of them as a child. No. And we're always encouraged to, um, this is really gross, but we're always encouraged to we're embracing scrape the them out. Oh, that's on So like, because, um, because you need to get rid of all the viral material, mm. otherwise they just never go away. There's no kind of medical Ring treatment. Worm? <laughs> it's not regular. Regular is a different thing, but you don't normally get that on your feet. But Veruca, you only get on your feet, and they. And so I just have lots of memories of childhood um, of sitting there and attacking the ah. bottom of my foot with like scissors and scalpels and Whoa. blades, just to like try and draw, draw these things out. These Verucas. Wow. Um, and because I'm a, like a bit of a creepy, I was a creepy child, so I didn't mind it at all. But I'd even do my friends. I'd be <laughs> Early <laughs> signs that you would be fine being a doctor. <laughs> oh, your Verucas came into me. <laughs> yeah, it's really good fun. Well, that's fascinating because it also points out this, this point that I want to touch on, which is 
Um, when you get things like bunions, okay, so if you don't know what bunions are, these are like, it's like a bone on your big toe ball mound that just grows very, very large. Mm-hmm. And then often people's toes end up pointing in the opposite direction of this big toe ball mount as a result of the bunion. Mm-hmm. Some people it's incredibly painful, others it's not. Mm-hmm. The people who it's really painful, they actually tend to have an operation mm-hmm. where then this bone is shaved off. Mm. And then they have casts on both of their feet and they're kind of immobile for six weeks, more or less. Mm. And then that's how bunions are dealt with. Mm. Also varicose veins, when needed, they're often removed. Yeah. And from a yogic perspective, you can do a lot of prevention for both of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, the one for bunions, the most basic prevention is you take a wooden block, which is a very common anger yoga prop. Uh, or even a cork block, you put it on your big toe ball mound or on your already existing bunions, Hmm. and then you tie a strap, which is another Iyengar yoga prop, around your big toes. Hmm. You can even use a rubber band. Hmm. Uh, When I was in New York recently, I actually had a conversation with other yoga teachers about how perfect the rubber band that comes around organic broccoli is for <laughs> this foster. <laughs> and I thought, wow, I'm in a weird company, how wonderful it is. Um, so you could also use a strong rubber band, mm-hmm. is the point. And just put it around your big toes, and then this just pushes the bone back into your body. Mm. That it, sounds kind of painful. I was just going to say, it will be uncomfortable, yeah. but you don't do it for like an hour. Mm. You do it for five minutes, three mm. times a week to start. Mm-hmm. And you will actually begin to see the bone being pushed back into your foot. Yeah. And the, the best time to do this, um, I assume, is when you... Don't have bunions. Yeah, when you're first <laughs> kind of getting an idea that that foot might be becoming a little bit bigger if in that area. If you look at your parents' feet and mm-hmm. your parents have bunions, chances are they're coming for you. Okay, yeah, because so, it's to do with the structure of the foot, right, yeah. which is a genetic thing. But if you have really bad bunions already, mm. can you yes. cure it that way? Cure is a, is a difficult term. Mm. And this is where I think the wisdom of paths that promote self-awareness and self-healing can come in. Because each person will have to develop their own wisdom with their own body in this sense. Mm-hmm. But yoga can help you endure things. Mm -hmm. So it can make bunions that are incredibly painful and prominent livable Mm -hmm. and workable. Mm -hmm. And that to me is an answer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Can it prevent them? Absolutely. Before we move on, I think the foot has such an important role in balance. Mm -hmm. And balance, like as in actually your ability to balance like uh like a child would on one leg is something that we don't train enough we don't think about enough mm-hmm. um and is huge like it has a huge effect on your quality of life especially when you get old um and the one of the main causes or the main reasons as you get old that your health deteriorates mm-hmm. um is that you have a fall and you break something and then you have to have an operation and you have to be in hospital for ages and whilst that happens, you're, you're not exercising and your muscles weaken and your heart and your lungs weaken. And for many people, 
at a vulnerable stage of their life that means that they then have to move into a care home because mm-hmm. they're unable to do stuff themselves anymore mm-hmm. and often it ends up people become bed bound and die like it is poor balance causes death and this isn't a rare thing this happens all the time mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. um, and balance is never ta- is never thought about we talk about strength we talk about mm-hmm. flexibility mm-hmm. but we never talk about balance or proprioception which is another kind of medical it's word it's a really for interesting topic um, which I often translate proprioception so think to yourself do you know what that is first if you're listening mm-hmm. and I define it as your awareness of yourself in space Yes. And there's, I've read many scientific or medical articles that show as you age, your proprioception can become so much worse. Yes. If you're not doing anything in which you practice improving or maintaining your proprioception. It's one of the first senses that goes. So proprioception is one of your senses. You have special mm-hmm. nerves in your body. So you've got special nerves that take information about whether something's hot or cold, about whether you're being touched gently or whether you're being stabbed sharply. You've got different nerves for all of them. Mm-hmm. But you've got some nerves that just bring information about the position of your joints in space to your brain and they're your proprioception nerves. So there's a whole structure oh, within your body that does that for you. But they're the first, that's the first um, sensory system that gets lost as you get older or as and you become And many people fall. Yes. And then this would be the reason that they fall or lose their balance. Yeah. So balance training is really important, especially if you're getting to, I'm saying that, I say this to my parents who are in their mid fifties mm-hmm. um, and both of them have quite poor balance. Um, because they've never thought about it or found a necessity to train it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I tell them all the time how important it is for them to do balance training. Mm-hmm. And it's stuff like so simple, like instead of sitting down to put your shoes on, do it standing up and practice standing on one leg whilst you do that. And I do that as part of my day-to-day. I try and balance as much as possible, as often as possible. <laughs> just like so just these small things that you introduce to keep that... Um, sense strong and, and, and alive as you get older. And that's something that people have told me they've never observed whether they have very good balance or not so good balance until they've done something like yoga mm-hmm. because they said, oh, it's been ages, you know, since I've learned to ride a bicycle. Mm-hmm. So there isn't maybe an activity anymore in daily life. You know, we're not balancing mm-hmm. things on our head to carry them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that in you know in a time before there was a lot more daily balancing needed it's something you take for granted and people people naturally have very variable balance as well so mm-hmm. my balance is not naturally very good mm-hmm. um, other people naturally have, have very good balance and but mm-hmm. you know become aware of what your body is like and if you're especially if your balance is not good think about when you're 80 years old and it's going to be worse mm-hmm. and you're going to be a bit vulnerable and if you fall over you probably are going to break something so you don't want to fall over mm-hmm. and start, start <laughs> training it and be morbid about this but um, it's the reality and mm-hmm. it, you know you've got to think a little bit ahead as to like your future self and mm-hmm. yeah. and I would say just a quick key there is actually just being able to micro bend the knees mm-hmm. yeah so that your joints aren't locked Mm. And that when you, if you fall and you're able to slightly bend joints, then usually uh, you're able to bear the weight of the fall better. Yeah. And actually, I have a nice little story about this from um, a discussion that I had while I was in Rishikesh, which is in the north of India. And I was living in an ashram with some other practitioners. And we were all afraid to fall from handstand. Mm-hmm. Uh, or headstand 
Hmm. And we were talking about, oh, you know, yeah, but, you know, do the hands naturally open? Like, does the back stay stiff, you know? And then you just sort of hit the floor. And then sure enough, the next day in class, what we had to do was to basically practice falling backwards. Mm. We didn't do this alone and we had support. There were two people that were there and it was very clearly taught like how to hold each other. Mm -hmm. But it was so interesting that yoga sort of gave one, it gave this courage to fall well mm -hmm. and to know that you actually can learn to fall well. Mm -hmm. And that removes a lot of fear. Yes. Which also helps a lot of situations that could potentially be dangerous. Yes. And then second, that once I had fallen, I was fine. The fear was gone forever <laughs> yeah. of falling backwards in Shirshasana headstand. Yeah. Because I learned that I either drop back into a back bend mm -hmm. or that my hands just naturally become undone and I roll. Yeah. yeah? It's interesting you bring up this fear of falling when you're talking about balance because I think the two are very much related. Yes. Like, um, I do quite a lot of hill walking and if you, if you go hill walking, you'll know that some people love going uphill and they don't mind that at all, the cardiovascular excites them. Some people hate that because like, they don't like the feeling of like strain on their heart and lungs. But when it comes to going downhill, you're equally as divided. Some people can skip down a hill, they love that bit. Some people get very nervous, they don't like it, they feel frightened of falling down. Their balance tends to be not very good. I and think too much knee pressure, too much knee pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the thing is that the, the, the two are very linked because if you're, I, I've walked to people who hate going downhill and the fear of falling is clouding their ability to balance well on like the rocks and the, the logs and things that they have to walk over and jump over. So because the whole of their focus is on this fear and their muscles all tense up um, and they're not being able to use those subtle muscles that you need to adjust to balance well because of the fear, then their balance is worse and then they're more likely to have a fall and they're more likely to have a bad fall. So the two are very linked as well. Yeah. So again, um, we're pointing out this connection between what's mm -hmm. going on like psychologically, emotionally, mm -hmm. with what's going on physically. Yeah. And I think this is like the bridge that you and I are trying to make by sitting across the table from each other mm -hmm. is to better inform like ourselves so that we can be better people helping other people, mm -hmm. so that we can be better practitioners. Yeah. And so that people listening and then these areas of yoga and medicine in general can move closer to each other. Yeah. And be informative and have dialogues like this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They have a lot to teach each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say about food? <laughs> so, I will end with recommending you all say hello to your feet. Um, at least just become aware of how you stand. Mm -hmm. That can take you, no pun intended, miles and miles and miles. Or kilometers and kilometers wherever you're living. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was quite struck when I first did Iyengar. Um, I don't know if it was with you or with someone else, I can't remember. But I was like... This is way too focused on the feet. Like it, 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 <laughs> kind, of, it kind of freaked me out, right? So, mm. um, but then someone said something which was um, a saying: um, "If you cannot control your little toe, how how can you control your mind?" Mm. Was that a saying from you? But it really stuck with me, oh. and um, it it meant that I started to 
bring a lot more of my consciousness into my feet mm -hmm. and I found it very beneficial in lots of ways in my life so yeah I'd recommend it great and then to end with a quote by BKS Iyengar he says a yogi's brain extends from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet mm. so even your little toe yes everything's included great okay